podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It is the Anfield Wrap with your weekend to show Neil Atkinson, John Gibbons and Chris Pajak's coming from Redmen. We'll have a chat about Redmen later on, Chris, but in general, how are you? I'm good, mate, yeah. Very good. good. Are you pleased to be here? Of course yeah, I am. Big red and <laughs> more importantly, we're top of the table. Yeah. yeah. So how can you not be happy at this juncture? Well, some people are working hard. John Gibbons has written a piece about that this week for Paddy Power. We might come on and talk about that. We'll chat about Adam Lallana uh, in a minute or two. Uh, we will also get on to the Rabio links. We're going to talk about that for you. But we'll start with the, another reason to be relatively cheerful, John, is the ticket prices uh, for the League Cup game. Again, it shows Liverpool maybe understanding... Better the that small things make a difference to supporters because in the grand scheme of things, these ticket prices are a small thing for Liverpool Football Club, but supporters are, are appreciative of them. Yeah, I think you look ticket ticket prices and, and what the club can get from tickets is you know is, is a lower percentage of overall revenue every every year, isn't it? When when commercial things rise and and and, and things like that, and but you know they've still got targets, they've still got money and stuff they want to make, and it's still a, a big game on paper at least against Chelsea and you know they might have looked at it and thought you know could we get away with charging it more now you know a lot of people buy for credits and things like that which is a, a whole other you know subject of, of whether that should happen or not but for this you know for the sake of this, this argument you know you got to say you know we acknowledge that it does happen and so they, they were able to charge more if they wanted to but good on them they haven't done it they've kept it you know not just the fact that I'm going to pay a bit less than 30 quid which is great but also to have kids tickets for a five young adult ones for I think nine pounds is is fantastic and hopefully it'll ensure it sells out ensure a lot of people who are there want to be there support the team maybe some new faces first games and all that would be great there's nothing. There's absolutely no downside to it, Chris. In every single sense, I think you know Liverpool. Absolutely, it's important. We often criticise decisions that the club make. It's important to do the flip side, which is praise them when they get it right. They've got it right. Yeah, they've absolutely got it right. And you know, I was looking at a Twitter thread before, and someone was uh, crediting Tony Barrett, and they were crediting Peter Moore, and Peter Moore actually replied and said, "Nothing to do with me, mate. That's the ticketing team." Tony said that as well. And that's exactly yeah. what you want to hear, isn't yeah. it? That they've been given the autonomy to make these decisions without having to go further up. And that just shows you that it's a well-run business and it's a well-run football club. And, you know, everything that John said, I'd like to echo. But importantly for me, the right people are making the right decisions. There's something, Chris, in terms of you do feel as though the slogan when it first came out, that this means more slogan. It's It does seem as though, the I've been saying for a while, to culturally sort of get the club and everyone who works there to position themselves behind that, to understand that, to commit to it really, that it isn't just seen as a marketing thing. Instead, they've almost decided that they're, they're running with it as, they're trying to run with it at least for now as a bit of an ethos. It does look like that. It, this, things like this make you think that legitimately might be happening and that can only be a good thing. Yeah, and I think it started, you know, last season, you know, culminating in, in Kiev. You know, the fact that the Anfield Rap, the Red Men TV and Boss Night were all on the stage. That is them making a community out of their fans. It's not them talking about customers. It's realising that there's true engagement that you can get with these people and what you've got to be able to do is almost put your arms around it and encourage it even some of the buzzwords that they're using around the this is more campaign family community all these types of words are exactly what seems to be from the headman peter moore all the way down um, to be more ruthless uh, adam alana's injury uh, and when we're talking about family and community and all this sort of stuff i've got to be really honest and just say to you to the listeners one of the things that makes me sort of wonder about adam for the whole of this season was I ever so slightly greeted it with a tiny little shrug of my shoulders as though I'd half expected something from him in the first month in terms of injury and that's not fair maybe. Seems like a lovely fella and he's obviously such a gifted footballer. But the other thing it made me think as well was I means more like to see some Curtis Jones. And again, that tells you the story maybe of Curtis Jones's trajectory, Chris, but also of the trajectory of 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 Lallana at this stage that, you know, this is a fellow who I think is on his day as good a midfielder in terms of linking midfielder attack as anyone in the country. And yet now I'm thinking, yeah, Curtis Jones, that that's not right. I'm probably in the wrong. Probably, yeah. I think sometimes you forget how good these players were two years ago. He was the best player at the football club. He was the guy that Klopp put on the team sheet first and foremost because he understood the press and everything that that meant for Liverpool. The thing with me for Adam Lallana is that it feels like, and I hope I'm wrong, that the teams move past him. And what I mean by that is when we saw midfield displays from Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain last season and transitioning from midfield to attack, driving runs forwards. We just don't get that from Adam Lallana. He's a different style player and, you know, he's a better Ben Ayoun, but Ben Ayoun was a link player between midfield and attack in a different way to Alex Oxlade. It's all about speed, it's all about power, it's all about bursting runs. And I hope that Adam Lallana can sort of carve himself a niche out in this side 
because there will be times when he will be needed. It's it's come at a bad time for him, John, in terms of the run of games. Yeah. You know, he'll have he'll have probably been looking at, you know, somewhere in that first three when we come back after the break, Tottenham, Paris Saint Germain, Southampton. Southampton may be the most likely, but you never know. You know, he'd be looking to get some proper time on the pitch in, in one, if not two of those three games really. And the manager's been very clear he's gonna to start to rotate. And this is where, you know, Lallana himself, yes, he, he might be back a bit quicker than expected, but then he's back to the question of when's he going to get his match fitness? Suddenly now it's, it's it's the start of October, suddenly now it's another international break. Yeah, and that was the problem with him at the end of last year, wasn't it? Is that he never quite looked sharp enough and, and it's where he gets that from, really. He, he, I know we obviously spoke out to him a little bit out in America and he was feeling he'd had a good pre-season. He was feeling like, you know, that that's exactly what he needed. And so he'll be so frustrated as well with, with this and he'll, and he'll be gutted and, and it might not be as serious as, as what he thought it might be or it could have been for it for a groin injury but it's still as you say it just knocks him back and then other people move ahead of you and then we've seen how you know there's there's good players who can't get on our bench at the moment and so the, you know there's, there's competition for places for the bench never mind the team and so if suddenly you know someone else is, is moving ahead of him there comes on does well you mentioned Curtis Jones but you know we, we you know we expect him for Bino to, to to start featuring when we come back now and if he comes in and does well then Shakiri could play midfield exactly yeah or you know Shakiri you know he's he's, he's certainly you know at a rival for the, for those wide places if you want to consider Adam Lana there too and so it's you're moving down the pecking order and then suddenly you're back and like oh I'm here you know you know it's, I'm, I'm back for you boss and he's like well well these lads are doing great and and that's what Klopp's all about isn't he and that's a good thing I think it's 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 the opportunity thing Chris I think that's what John's John John's driving at there for instance there's been a bit of criticism. Just sort of laying out this idea that Solanke's got to progress at some stage. Mm. Well, you know, now if Lallana's out, it could be that Solanke may well get on the pitch. Origi's still at the club. Shakiri might be thought of as a midfielder. But it is this this idea that the manager, if people come in and do well, it's hard enough anyway with them at the minute. We've seen that, you know, in the first few games, he didn't want to change it. You know, he'll be looking after them. He'll be protecting them. He'll be wanting to keep them fit. But if people do come in and do well, and if he suddenly finds himself on the outskirts of the second string, that's where you do begin to go, oh, good Lord, it's it's a long way back and it's a long way back for that sharpness. It is, and it, and it will be, you know, these long-term injuries. I think he's played something like 479 minutes in the last 12 months for Liverpool. It's it's something around that. It's, you know, it's, it's really few minutes. And what happens is when you come back from these long-term injuries, you do and you are susceptible to picking up another little niggle here and there and it looks like that's what's happened on England duty and it will set him back again and and then it's about Klopp carving out that time but there have got to be there have got to be places and opportunities for other players to step in. It's exactly what happened with Trent Alexander-Arnold last season. We exactly thought the that, season yeah. was over when Nathaniel Klein went, dropped down at right back. There was nobody else there. We didn't have a good enough player to cover for him but in when it drops, somebody's there to pick it up, and I think that's what Liverpool have got in their squad right now. The the Solanke warning I thought struck me as interesting, John. You know, first and foremost, I enjoyed Rob's response, uh, which is England can pick him, but there is there is a wider sort of point, which is you know between Solanke and Origi. The manager may well feel he's got one too many. He hasn't really particularly used Sturridge yet, although Sturridge has scored. I just mentioned Shakiri a minute ago. There is the Lalana question. We are sort of. It's a nice problem to have in one sense, but in another sense, when you have got a manager who's focused on development, who talks about development all the time, he probably will be a bit frustrated. He won't feel as though he can develop these lads as much as he'd like. Maybe, but they could have sent him out on loan and that would have developed them. And so I, I don't really know what's going on with Solanke. I'm a little bit confused by it. Um, we talked about it on Talking Reds on our YouTube channel uh, before and saying, you know, he's, there's an under 23s game on Sunday and he doesn't play there and I can't figure out why. You know, and, and you might, you might, you know, if they were here, you might say, well, there's 18, 19 year olds who need to play in these games and it's a better level for them and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, if I'm Solanke and I'm not even on the bench on the Saturday and then I'm not getting a game for the 23s on the Sunday, I'd be worried. You know, you know, you talk about, you know, the, the, the manager, the England manager talking about it, but I'd be thinking, well, when is my next game coming? Yeah. What's going to happen in the League Cup game? Because, you know, he's going to want to play storage. Maybe Origi's got the benefits of being able to play wider a little bit. A little bit more naturally than I would say Solanke has. Solanke looks to me like he's he's a nine or a ten, but we don't play with a ten, and so he's he's in a little bit of bother. Solanke and I'm a little bit surprised that that we haven't looked to get him out even just for a month or whatever. Maybe they're looking at January. I don't know, but uh, maybe they're looking at January. But we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, I think something that we don't talk about with Solanke, and I think you're right to question it about you know is he going to get these opportunities and stuff, Neil? But he had opportunities last season. 
and he didn't exactly stand out, did he? Let's be honest. You know, he had over 900 minutes for the football club last season. He had five starts, loads of substitute appearances. Maybe he couldn't get that run of games that you need to really push on and kick on. But he scored one goal last season. So, although I think he's going to be a great player, right now, this is Liverpool want to be a title-challenging side and you've got to get the goals. And, and to be honest with you, storage guarantees you have more goals than Dom Solanke. In the wider sense, Klopper would be frustrated that he can't develop a lot of players. But also, he he will understand how many players you can develop at a time. Look at the back five. Alisson's new to that. That needs relationship building. Gomez is new to centre-back. That needs relationship building. Trent's still a young, inexperienced player. Keita is new, you know, into the side. So how many relationships can you develop at once and keep all the plates spinning? There is something, Chris, though, where I... The thing I will say about Solanke last season and... And why I'd be frustrated if it was Solanke is the cliche, but I think it's I think it's it's appropriate. Is that he was in the position to miss them, that he managed to you know it, tactically. Therefore, he's doing a lot of what he's been asked to do in that sort of almost like you know cover version of, of Firmino, in that he, he got himself in the position to miss opportunities, and that's where if I'm him, I'm sort of thinking, well, I've got me goal now. You know, he had one really harshly ruled out, but he's able to say, well, I've got me goal now, and now all of a sudden the idea of even getting the sort of minutes you've just talked about, well, that's that that's looking hard. That that hill's got steeper and steeper to climb for him. But it's only because we've seen we're seeing a better Daniel Sturridge. You know, we're not seeing the Daniel Sturridge who started last season. We're seeing a Daniel Sturridge who's reinvigorated after his time at West Brom and he doesn't want to live that life anymore. He wants to come in and he wants to train hard and you can see that he's sprinting, he looks fit in pre-season. With Dom Solanke, I like him as a player and I agree with you, tactically does suit us. But how many opportunities are you going to let the lad miss before you can place a start on him? It's also possible with, with Solanke that they were expecting something to happen with Origi right up until the end. So now it's a case of we've got one too many, but but when do you sort of, when do you blink on that one? Do you, do you know, you, do you get towards the end of the transfer window, you say, okay, well, looks like Origi's going to stay. We'll, we'll loan out Solanke and then suddenly a decent big comes in for Origi last last day and, and, and what do you do then? So it could be maybe a case of the... They, they were expecting more. And I'm I'm sort of a little bit surprised that, that more didn't happen with Origi, although I know there's a couple of things maybe he turned down himself. Okay, last little one is loads of rumours linking Liverpool to Rabio of Paris Saint-Germain, possibly on a free transfer next season. That's come really strong from nowhere, really, Chris. The uh, the idea that Liverpool are chasing Rabio down to come through in this international break. We've had a chat with Julian Laurent. Rob Gutman's done that for us. And, you know, Julian's suggesting there that Rabio will pick us ahead of a couple of other big sides like Barcelona. It suggests that there's... You know, that, that, that's a, a very mature interest with Liverpool. It may not be the sort of link that gets used in order to get a player to bump a new deal. But I always say, you know, we've been around long enough now to be able to say these things change fast. Yeah, they do. And I think ESPN were the ones that I first saw reporting it. And they'd said that, you know, we're speaking to his mum, who happens to be his agents and stuff. Can I just say, though, the, the, the worst bit of clickbait around this is Liverpool. I saw on News Now today, Liverpool linked with 23 goal midfielder. I clicked that so fast. <laughs> right? It's 23 goals totally in his career oh, and I was like are you having an absolute laugh here and I knew about the Rabiot links so you, can't, you, you can't like listen I've been known to massage a title or two in my time I'm not saying I won't do it but that's taking the absolute mick that one like yeah, it was naughty 23 goals in his whole career I mean that is that, it is worth highlighting that you know he isn't a yeah. He isn't a lightning midfielder. He isn't. A, he isn't a goal scorer midfielder. He isn't a, a Fakir, for instance, who we didn't get in the summer, John. Uh, but you know, you've just got to look at his record. You've got to look at the games he's played. And I wonder if there's something about kicking on in that. If I'm him, he's done five, six seasons at Paris Saint Germain, and I'm sort of thinking he looks him like the sort of footballer who could probably do with a more competitive league week in week out. Because it can't be a battle. If you're Neymar, it's great because you get to kick it in the goal every week, uh, like, like 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 playing FIFA with a toddler. But if you're a, if you're a hard working centre mid, you want you know you want the idea of being able to well work hard and. and have a proper competitive match. Yeah, I don't worry too much about about goal scoring records for kind of younger midfielders. Really, I think you look at anyone who's who's ended up a goal scoring midfielder and it's developed throughout the career, isn't it? There aren't many who midfielders. I mean, who burst on the scene at, at twenty and are doing sort of ten to twelve a season. You know, there'll be the odd exception, but generally it works like you know, like Gerard and Lampard's career did, which is, you know, you you're doing one or two a season, then it becomes three or four and then, and then suddenly you're, you're getting the big numbers. And so, you know, he, he knows where the goal is. You know, it might not be as, as often as uh, Chris was told by that tweet, but uh, <laughs> but he but he knows where it is. And I think I think you're right. I think if he's looking for a for a club where, you know, he's 
he wants to make a home. He wants someone to develop. You know that that's a that's a good attitude, isn't it? And you know he could have a nice life at Paris, and I'm sure he's he's comfortable there and things like that. But he's if he's trying to get out of his comfort zone and push himself on, then you know I'm sure that's music to Klopp's ears. Yeah, and I think Klopp is is a guy who's who's liked him for a couple of years. Uh, you know, if you believe the reports, he wanted to buy him at Dortmund. Now Klopp's got a track record of waiting for players, isn't he? It was yeah. RB Salzburg, Mane was playing at. When Klopp first got interested in him, obviously we we know how how long he liked Van Dijk for and and how long he was willing to wait. And he seems to get sort of, and managers do this, they get fascinated by players and they want to be able to take that player and mould them into what they think they can become. So it wouldn't surprise me if something does come from this, whether it's a free or not, who knows. Okay, this is the Anfield Wrap. This is our weekender show. Uh, We'll have a little bit of a break here and we'll uh, we'll get back over uh, to you in a second or two with David Mooney talking about Manchester City. Neil Atkins and John Gibbons uh, talking about Red's Bets, our partners for 2018. Uh, I'm going to say again, you can specify where you want the money to go uh, when you sign up with Red's Bet. If you haven't done it when you have signed up, please do go back into that sign-up process. Even if your initial stakes now disappeared, what it means is that will then be allocated uh, to the cause, the Liverpool fan-related cause you want it to. And if that stake has indeed disappeared, it means you've lost. So therefore, 50% of those profits will be ploughed back in to that Liverpool fan-related cause. If you don't gamble, we know what we always say about this segment. It's not for you, and that's absolutely fine. Uh, but please do do so responsibly if you are going to do so. Uh, now, uh, Mo Salah, uh, John, and our odds as we work right the way through. He's now nine to one for Player of the Year. That's gone out a little bit it now, was hasn't it? Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. To, I'm I, I enjoy following this one. I well, I mean, he's not—he's not exactly flying at the moment. Is, is there he? anyone else who's, who's screaming for it though? I was just trying to sort of contemplate as the mate, you know, as a City player being unreal. I don't think so. Maguire's uh, looked pretty good so far, hasn't he? But he never, he never wins anything. There's, no, there's a mad no. stat, isn't it? That he's got Player of the Month about twice or something, and yep. uh, you know, in, in Player of the Season hardly any. I think everyone's just like judges him to such ridiculous high standards. To I was like, ah, oh, Guerrero's scored nah. again. Yeah, whatever. Um, I don't know. It'd be interesting to see how he goes with Mo. I mean, we haven't really talked about Mo too much recently, but obviously this Egypt stuff's like less than ideal and I think has been hanging over him. Hopefully that's something that can get sorted over the next couple of weeks and they can get a resolution to that because he obviously cares about his country so much that it'd be impossible for it to not not affect him in, in some way, even though he's not necessarily thinking about it when he's on the pitch. So, yeah. I'm I'm going with that to get sorted. Him to score a trick when he comes back and a six to one in two weeks time. Excellent stuff. Um, Liverpool to win the next three Premier League matches, which is Spurs, Southampton, and Chelsea. It helpefully says here, although I don't know that anyway. I'd like to think uh, thirteen to two. Ah, oh, feels too short to me. That I'm sorry to be. That's all right. You're allowed. The, the, uh... It's all right. Aldo's not said anything mad yet. So <laughs> we'll uh, um, out for that. That feels a little bit too short to me. Uh, I think you know. Look, if we can, then then brilliant. But yeah, a bit, bit better than six to one. I think you know. I, I mean, I'd be taking if you offer me four points from the Spurs and Chelsea games. I'd be taking that all day. Taking it all day. Okay. Uh, next one is which I like a lot. Uh, Virgil Van Dijk or Genie Wijnaldum to score any time versus France seven to one. France are good. I know that they won the World Cup. But I'm wondering, it could be a bit of a World Cup hangover. But if it's a friendly, they're playing 45s. I don't know. I don't, I'm not sure. These games are a bit mad, aren't they? So, so you never know. I don't even know where Genie plays for Holland. It could be anywhere, couldn't he? He's got about seven positions. Now. Yeah, he plays, plays wide right or, or left back. <laughs> Depending on how they feel. It'd be good if you played an old fashioned position, play your inside right or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Plays yeah. Plays half back. Half back, yeah. No, <laughs> that's, that's, that's what he does. No one's got a clue what one is. Um, Genie does. Genie knows, yeah. He's half back for Holland. Uh, and he's, and, but he goes outside left if the game needs it. Shakiri uh, um, to score and Switzerland to win. But the face in Iceland, 5 to 2. Iceland are tight at the back, aren't they? They I mean, are, just, but... I, I, but I, we do all of our international football analysis of cliches, but we such, are we are. He's such a big player for them, though, that, you, you know, they will be looking at he's, 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 I mean, he's fresh, isn't he? He's not played a huge amount for Liverpool. I don't think 5-2 is too, too bad. It's not too bad at all. I, I like it if you... Imagine if he turns up as the Shaqiri that we saw against uh, against Leicester and the wonder why he keeps <laughs> kicking it into lads' shins for no reason <laughs> and winning throw-ins and yardage <laughs> and going, this is just what I do now. Yeah, I've re- reinvented myself. <laughs> I've re- reinvented myself as a very defensive when, winger. Sound the full-back. You just go off for a minute, though. Don't worry, I'll just run the whole line. <laughs> I'll look after it. And the last little one is Henderson, Trent, Alexander-Arnold, or Gomez to score any time versus Spain. 
It's four to one. Maybe Alexander Arnold could be on the free kicks is the one thing I would say. Uh because he when he plays for England he tends to be on them. Yeah, and he'll well it's even more trippier, isn't it? And you'll they'll rotate the two. So yeah, not too bad on that. I still think me Mo Salah better the better the week though. Mo Salah, uh, to go out and then come back in. Um <laughs> it's John Gibbons' better the week. Uh thank you very much indeed to him and to Red's bet. Let's get back over. But I've got David Mooney to talk about Manchester City, who find themselves not quite setting the pace, which I think they may have expected to be doing at this stage of proceedings. But looking good, I saw a fair bit of Manchester City against uh, against Newcastle United after our, our bus got back from Leicester on, on Saturday, David. And, and it's fair to say that whilst it did go 1-1, the result was never really in doubt. I think... Um, I, yeah, I'm not sure about that, you know. I think so far this season, I think teams have been doing very well to keep City at arm's length at times. You look at how Wolves played against City. Um, Wolves were fantastic. They... They were really good at cutting out the space that City want to work in and then breaking through to, to give themselves a couple of opportunities. Now, Newcastle didn't really break out that much and they scored with pretty much their only chance of the game. But it really felt, watching the, watching the game in, in the Etihad, that, that the second City goal was a real struggle to come by. And it, you know, the fact that it took Kyle Walker, who's not scored for you know, 30 years or so, to smash one in from range. And you know, still City were creating chances and missing them. It felt like a frustrating performance in the end. Now, this is obviously the start of the season. There's just been a World Cup, and we, you know, we, we sit here and say winning games while playing badly is the sign of champions. Well, you know what? Liverpool have done that so far this season. They've they've had their tough moments and, and got through it. City have had the tough moments and got through it. So have Chelsea. It's it's looking like you know that those three teams are going to be the ones to really dig in this season and i think actually getting the points on the board with results like the one against newcastle is vital at this stage especially when you know the players are still getting back to fitness after what is what has been a largely a, a, a long summer for them on the aesthetic side the wolves game aside i would even include the arsenal game one of the things that struck me watching the game and then checking the stats afterwards is there's an astonishing lack of engagement in Manchester City games. And what I mean by that is that I would have thought, you know, a central defender or a midfielder coming up against Manchester City, you'll see them putting in tackle after tackle, block after block. And instead what I see is just a lot of people worrying about space. That there's not even, you know, it's not even this side. I don't think sides, sides aren't even going out to try to kick City out of the game. They're not trying to go out there to try to to try to get amongst City. As I say, I think Wolves was a little different because I think Wolves wanted to put a statement performance on at home. But in the other games, I've just sort of felt it's it's all about space. That Guardiola's own obsession with space has turned into an opponent's obsession with space, and everyone's just thinking about where they need to be on the pitch all the time. I, I do agree with that to some extent. I mean, the, the documentary into City you, uh, that Amazon did, you, you watch that and there's there's so many times where Guardiola says, um, if they set up the back four, then we'll put players here, here and here. And, it, it, and he's just putting the markers into the spaces that have been left by, by defenders where they move to. And I think on the flip side of that, if you're trying to defend against that, if you just make sure that, that City have got no space to work it, then they'll pass it and pass it and pass it and look for those openings. If you're disciplined enough to be able to hold that out for 90 minutes, which, let's be honest, is a really tough ask yeah. when you've got a team that's putting in what, what is it, up to a 1,000 passes a game. All it takes is one of your one of your 10 outfield players to, to put a foot wrong and suddenly there's an opening there. Um, but if you're able to do that, then you don't need to be putting your body on the line. You don't need to be diving into tackles and making it, really, you know, making it a really physical game. Because... The games where City tend to struggle are the ones where they don't have any room to work in. And, you you know, you look at, at, at the players that City have. OK, De Bruyne is missing for, for some time, but Bernardo Silva, David Silva, you know, they, these sorts of players drive in that, that kind of number 10 position just in, in behind the main striker. And, you know, if, we've seen already this season Guardiola's been happy to put in more bodies into the middle because there's the, just to try and occupy defenders and get them moving out of the way. Last season, you would not have got him playing a back four and Gabriel Jesus and uh, Sergio Aguero together. It just wasn't something he was doing. And yeah. it, it was kind of an only, only an option when he was playing a back three with wingbacks. Now, he seems very happy to just you know take off a defender and, and stick another striker in there and just have more movement up front just to try and create some more space. And I think you're absolutely right with that. 
I think that there's something in I mean, where what where, what we've been seeing, and we are sort of two clubs who are trying to go on a similar trajectory this season. You've proven you can do it last year. We've, I think, you know, in the games I've seen from both sides, we've been seeing long periods where the opposition doesn't engage and then explosive sort of bursts of them trying to. And I say, expl- I'm using explosive loosely, certainly where West Ham are concerned. But where there's, you know, the, 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 there's then this sort of idea of, no, we need to try to find some way to get amongst them now. I thought that Dale Stevens and Davy Proper were really good and Basuma were really good at Anfield at Brighton in terms of occupying space, occupying space, occupying space, picking the moment. What I'm saying with City is there's a bit less picking the moment, David, it's almost like they're so concerned about what City can do, with the exception of Wolves, and I'll come on to talk about the Wolves game in a minute, but they're so concerned about what City can do. You're almost just left in this sort of shadow boxing game of football, and it's hard for supporters that. I think it's worth pointing that out. As, as a football supporter, you can at times be thinking, come on, give us something. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with that. I thought Newcastle, in a weird way, despite the fact that they scored in that game, um, showed an absolute lack of ambition for, for a good kind of 80 or so minutes. And I, I suppose the game plan is, you know, make sure we're still within a goal of City towards the last 10 minutes, then we throw everything at them and see what we get. And, you know, it was only in that last 10 minutes or so, Sergio Aguero missed a, a, what is ultimately a, a guilt-edged one-on-one. Um, and he wraps the game up with about 10 minutes to go. Then it's a different story. But, you know, I, I kind of, I, I have a little bit of sympathy there because I, I, would, I don't expect teams to come to the Etihad and, and open the game up. It's just not in their interest to do it. If they do, they, they, they know they're on a hiding for nothing. You saw what, what Huddersfield did. Yeah. They, they kind of, they, they, uh, there, there was a point where you thought, well, you know what, good on you for, for going man-to-man with City. And the first thing they did was go, was go man-to-man off, a, off City's goal kick and Edison you know, pumps it over the top for Aguero and they go 1-0 down. And then from that point on, they just didn't know what to do because yeah. they couldn't press up because that, that's obviously an option for them to, to, to City, for the City then to score. But they couldn't sit deep either because City were just breaking through with the way they were playing. So I think, I, I think you kind of, a lot of opposition teams are caught between a rock and a hard place when it comes to facing City. I think when it comes to, to the top end of the table, the likes of Chelsea and Liverpool, I think they, they're more likely to go into the game and go, well, this is our game plan. Let's see how City handle us. And I think that's, you know, when it comes to City having to, to, to adapt to other teams, I'm not sure how well they do it. When it comes to other teams having to adapt to City, it's a, it's a one-off game where they, they, you know, they change the style of play to, to come up against one of the best teams in the league. You know, Liverpool fans will see it week in, week out from, from the way they've been attacking yeah. over the last 18 months or so. Chelsea fans are likely to see it again this season with the way Sarri's got them playing. So I think it's it, it comes down to it might even come down to the head to heads between those three teams as how well it goes this season, just because everybody else is is you know playing on a, a one match game plan that they won't use in other games, and it, it it's you kind of have to say well you know if you get any points out of those three teams then you know well done to you because you've you've, you've done something that is not what your normal style of play is and you've done it well. On the Wolves game, I haven't spoken to you since the Wolves game. It struck me that Wolves were a bit of a hybrid between this is what we normally do and this is this is how we're going to deal with this today. But what I did note was there was so much more engagement that all over the pitch suddenly City City knew they were in a battle one way or another. For instance, Mendy, who's looked at times imperious, suddenly put under the pressure of turning round a little bit by Triori. But even before Triori, you began to see that, you know, Mendy could be got at if someone was brave enough to try to get at him. Uh, but that, that again, is its own, that's its own battle. That's its own question. It's a psychological one as much as anything else. But he's, he's so dangerous going forward that, you know, people have got the, the concerns all the time there. But the, the Wolves one did make me think, well, you know, there's a few, there could be a few grounds in the country. Last season, City dropped points at Crystal Palace. Wolves, as I say, has already occurred. You know, you sort of begin to look up and down the table we just had a tough game at Leicester City's record at Goodison's not fantastic you know you do begin to think that there's maybe four or five sides on the road at least who might try to give City a game yeah Burnley were another one last season where City were in full control of the game and then conceded an equaliser and could have lost it at the end and I think there's actually a link as well with the early kickoff of a weekend. All of those games that you mentioned were the were the twelve thirty mm. kickoff as well, and away from home at, at kind of hostile environments, so to speak. So I, I'm I'm interested to see how that develops because I, I mean I, I don't know City's fixtures offhand, but I don't know when the next away kind of twelve thirty game is. Um, and I, I do think there's there's kind of like that opportunity to get amongst City and to. Uh, the, the, one of the other things that the documentary showed was uh, Amerit Laporte when he first arrived to City and, uh, and ahead of that Burnley game 
the first question he asked about it was, is it loud? And I think that says a lot about how Summer City players go into the games, just because, you know, there are times when they do look like if you want to, if you, if, if you want to, you know, get that cauldron atmosphere going and you want to, you, you want to just get in and amongst the players and, you know, not necessarily give them a kick in, but leave a foot in on a challenge here and there and just make sure that when you win the ball, you take the man as well. That sort of thing. I'm not sure how well they're, they're set up to cope with it. Um, for the most part, last season, they did very well to, to kind of avoid getting drawn into that sort of stuff. There was only really Anfield where they, where they, uh, where they kind of fell for that, you know, cauldron atmosphere and wilting under the pressure. Um, defending a title is different, though, and I, and I already see signs so far this season that City are they're a different side and opposition teams are been a little bit more resilient at the, at the start of this season than they were at the start of last season. So I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see how it develops. Uh, on the documentary, you mentioned it again, have spoken to you since that came out. I mean, it's on the one hand, it is a, you know, it's, it's, it's manner from heaven for a football supporter to see that sort of inner workings. And certainly off the back of a season where, you know, it's profoundly successful getting 100 points. There is a flip side where, as you say, you know, the, the, the manager is very, very open. And I, I respect the openness, to be honest with you, to think, you know, I mean, he's well aware that he's not saying anything there that data analysts at every club up and down the country and across Europe couldn't work out for themselves. Let's be honest about that. But what that openness does sort of show is, you know, it does, it did allow a window into a vulnerability around City, which again, I, I really respect demonstrating because, you know, that's life, that's football, that, that those conversations are happening in dressing rooms up and down the country. What did you feel about it? Yeah, um, I, I I was actually a little bit disappointed with the documentary because I felt like that. I felt like the the the, the level of insight wasn't kind of beyond what I'd imagined Guardiola would sort of say anyway. I was uh, yeah. when they they kind of build it as this uh, fly on the wall, you know, no holds barred. It kind of felt like maybe, and I understand why they would do it, but maybe the club had one or two vetoes on a few things that could have gone in there. Um, and the other, the other sad thing was that, that nothing from Old Trafford was captured because uh, United didn't let the cameras in um, when there was the, the big bust up in the tunnel. So like, none of that got seen. And, you know, the, the openness is, you know, it's, a, it, it's, it, it's something that I think they should be credited for. Um, I don't think anybody going into it would expect it to be a you know, hard-hitting documentary about all sorts of uh, issues surrounding City. Um, but what I think it did do was was just kind of give a little bit of an insight of what Guardiola was like in the dressing room. The number of times when actually you look at his team talk and his team talk is basically just, you know what to do, go and do it. And you, I, I, I always thought like, well, you know, when you, when you hear these stories of managers getting the team in at halftime and giving them a right rollicking and just, <laughs> you know, absolutely laying into them. And I, and I thought there were, there were games where I thought, oh, he must have had a, a real shouting match because the second half they were completely different. And he comes in and says, drink water, calm down. And then that's it. And it's just, <laughs> you know, it, it, I, just, I just kind of, it, 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 it's a, it was a weird kind of uh, disassociation from what I was expecting. Um, but ultimately, I do think it was. I think it's helped City a lot in terms of. of I hate this this sort of side of it, but you know the marketability abroad mm. sort of thing. I think it's it, it's been a great little insight into the club. Um, but I think a lot of fans, while it was enjoyable to watch, I'm not necessarily sure they'll go back and watch it. It felt a lot like uh, a season review DVD with a few behind the scenes extras, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. One last little thing before I let you go is this Tottenham rearranged fixture. It. It strikes me that, you know, Tottenham, City are putting on free coaches. It's worth pointing that out uh, to listeners in case they're not aware. City are putting on free coaches because this has now gone to Monday night. It wasn't meant to be Monday night. shouldn't be Monday night, but because Tottenham can't, can't get into their new ground yet. It's got moved. There's going to be an American football match as well played on played at Wembley the day before. It's why it can't be played on the Sunday. It's got to go to the Monday. Is there is there a little bit of resentment around City about this? Because as far as I'm concerned, this has very much been Tottenham's problem, and now it's Manchester City. You've got to sort of cop for it. Yeah, I mean they should just give us the points, really, shouldn't they? If that's uh, if that, that's how it should work. Um, no, I think in, in all seriousness, I think yeah, there, there is. I think the, the the fans that will go to this this game, I think, will feel like they've had their nose put out of joint. At least the decision's been made fairly early to be able to to, to make arrangements for that. You know, credit to City for putting on the coaches, but it, it shouldn't be something that that City has to do, and it should be it should actually be something that Spurs come to come to uh, to City and say, look, we've had this problem. Here's how we're here, here's how we're going to solve it. Um, the NFL issue is another one, although I think ultimately um, City will have had some say in the game. Um, so I think if you know if 
when it comes down to it, I think City would quite easily have been able to say, actually, we don't we, we don't think it, the pitch is going to be playable, and we don't yeah. think we should play it on this game. You know, go and solve that problem. It's not our it's not our issue. The other thing, the other um, thing, David, though, is that there's the the EFL match in the the, the EFL Cup match will fall if City get through away at Oxford, which you know I think we can presume they'll certainly give Oxford a very good game. That would fall that week, and City are reigning EFL Cup holders. Now I know you know. Trust me, you're talking to someone who very much does see it as you know it's very much the fourth competition, but that's meant to get played that week, and that's something which I think is you know again to to have the knock on effect there. I'm I'm honestly not far away from you from having the arguments of maybe they've got to forfeit the points. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and I think that the AFL Cup's an interesting one because if City weren't defending uh, that that competition, then maybe you'd have an argument to say, well, actually, we could move this fixture and move this there, and you know, kind of do a bit of jiggery-pokery and work it all out together. Um, there was a couple of seasons ago, uh, well, I say a couple of seasons ago, that's, that shows you my experience because it was actually 10 years ago now. <laughs> but uh, it, was, it was the first year of the takeover. For, for one reason or another, City had a, a massive pile-up of fixtures because they'd they'd accidentally qualified for, the, for what was the UEFA Cup. They didn't mean to, and they did. And they they ended up with uh, they ended up going into one of the what was then uh, the Carling Cup I think draws as uh, City or we or Brighton or Wigan just because they had to do that they were playing that many rounds behind that they didn't know who was going to win in the third round to play the fourth round tie to then have the fifth round tie so it would just it, there's you get into that situation where you know you can have a, a real tree of fixtures just by you know a delay. The Champions League starting soon. Obviously, the, the City have got the game at Oxford. So I, I do think, yeah, it, it, the question then becomes is, well, what happens if you move the, the Tottenham fixture later in the season and, and play it later on? Well, you know, that, that, that could affect form. What if, um, what if City are, are suddenly flying by that stage and Spurs are in a bit of a bad patch? And then, you know, it's, that's, that's their problem there. What if it's the other way around? City could quite easily say, well, you know, we were in good form at the start of the season and now we've got to play this tough game in the middle of three other tough games. And so, I, I, yeah, I, I just, I, I don't really see how it's City's problem, but yet they've been burdened with it. So I, I, I don't actually know whether this is, Probably the best solution for everybody, but you know, ask me again on uh, on the night of the game if they've lost, and I'll uh, I'll give you a different answer. Uh, let's uh, let, let, let's get the behind the scenes documentary footage of this one. This has got my attention. Anyway, thank you very much to David Mooney. Let's get over and move on from there. Joined by the man himself, uh, the top fella. Um, have you got a bongos lad lined up, John? There's we- only one bongo. <laughs> isn't that it's Josh I mean, well yeah yeah that, that, I mean that's fine isn't it yeah. he, the, the man is in front of us bingos lads I like calling him Jonathan Bongo sometimes because <laughs> it, it feels like wonderfully formal Jonathan Bongo Mr. Squire Jonathan Bongo what about Billy Bongo <laughs> I wish I could have been called William for a bit of Billy Bongo Billy, a Billy Bongo might have even just been too much it'd have been Billy Bongo's bingo yeah too much would have never took off <laughs> would have absolutely killed him right from the start oh well people you're going the three B's can't be asked no, what about Bongo's bingo I'm there now yeah exactly uh, we've got Johnny Bongo with us. We've also got Slutty Susie with us. Uh, thank you for bringing her in. Uh, yeah. It's much appreciated. Beautiful green dress and blonde locks. I don't only have a voice, so it's nice to like, be able to speak for once. Do you know, normally, he doesn't give you a voice, does he? You do no. a lot of the dancing and the mime. And the running around. Yeah. You, you checking those black calls. A little bit of singing at the end sometimes. Mysterious girl. Right? There was once actually where we my were there voice, for that. Yeah, there was once where my voice <laughs> went like halfway, like pretty much near the end of the show. There's one game left. I was like, I can't call the numbers. And I whispered over to him, like, you're gonna have to call these last numbers, and it was so his voice is so high pitched on the mic, and, and he was just going like five and six, and everyone was putting the <laughs> fingers in their ears. Yeah, I, I can't wait to hear this back. Like, Chris, have you enjoyed Bongo's Bingo yet? No, two young kids, man. And I've got one kid. I can't get out, mate. I'm on the leash. You know what I mean? Really? Yeah. It is so, needs to sort that out for you because uh, it's living all right. Um, <laughs> it really is. It's uh, it's joy to be alive territory. The joy of Bongo. How's the nationwide stuff going? I'm always intrigued. How, how you go down elsewhere? Yeah, it's going really good. We're just finishing off. We've got three more shows left in Ibiza. So we've did our first full season there. Have you not finished Ibiza yet? No, we did 19 shows from the start, from the opening party to the closing party. So the closing party is the... 25th, is it, Susie? 25th, yeah. Yeah, so we're going out every every time with the So Solid crew. But I haven't done all the shows because we've got seven hosts now. Yeah. So. Are you doing the closing party? I'm going to, yeah, definitely. When yeah. You, then you're really going to. Pull rank. The, yeah. the, so, the So Solid crew are going to get <laughs> I, right I did, on it. I did the opening and the closing. I just go in, open it up. Set, set the standard. Set the standard and then, and then finish with a bang. Should be good, though, if you fancy it. What are the So Solid crew like on the aisle? 
Solid. So? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, they're good. There's a, well, there's that many of them. I think there's probably, I think off the top of my head, probably about 72 of them. Um, so we get, we get it's like uh, opening up a pack of football stickers. Mega, who's the king of the So Solid, so he's like in charge of them. Right. So then, before, like we only know about half an hour before who we're going to get. <laughs> so you might get Harvey, you might get Romeo, you might get Lisa Mafia. Do you want a squad rotation Twin system? MC, yeah. So Brilliant. you don't know who you're going to get. Brilliant. Some of them work well together, some of them don't work well together. <laughs> There's beef. Yeah, there is beef, but I don't even want to go into that. No. I can imagine you don't want to go into that. I mean, it'd be the, you it'd don't be, mess with so solid. I love the idea that the, like that, that 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 mega has basically worked out who who can and can't hang out together. You it's, know what I mean? Like you've got this. It's like me trying to book the Anfield, right? I can't <laughs> put them on that with them. Hate each other. That's it. It's so exactly it's the same at Bingo. Is it the same? Yeah. Bingo hosts and dancers like some can't wait together. Really, just yeah. can't tolerate each other. <laughs> oh, that, honestly, who knew? Who knew that this is how you drank a so classy? Who knew? So we'll talk about the big one, which is. Which is the Panto. Now, me and John are a bit jealous. Why? We've been, we've been trying to get into Panto for a while. Four years. As in, you getting into Panto? Not putting it on. Like, we don't want to do as much work we, as you're doing. We don't want to do any work, Johnny. But we want to be like, you know, ugly sisters. Like a walk-on? Yeah, yeah. That's the Empire or something? Yeah, and they've, and they've never... We've, we, I've messaged Pete. We'd like to think <laughs> that the mediocrity of our celebrity status in Liverpool would have had them kicking the door down, but it's really? never happened. No, yeah, one's, yeah. no one's ever even got in touch. No, no. one's even, even tested the water. If they'd have tested the water, they'd have found out it was very hot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I got asked once, not, but not blowing my trumpet. Oh, I'm too it busy gets, doing my own panther. No. It gets worse as it wears on. Yeah, I know. Yeah. So it's we good are, to know where you are in the high mark, oh, you know, Absolutely bottom. <laughs> it, was, it wasn't one of the big ones, though. We didn't take any of them, though, yeah. Johnny, to be honest with you. Johnny, well, maybe you could do a little walk on in ours. Next time you get asked, yeah, just say, like, well, I'm busy, but I know a couple of lads. <laughs> and the cheap. And the two for the price of one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the cheap, mostly cheerful. Uh, and and we'll, we'll, we'll cut loose. Yeah, but yours is bingo is the word. It's Grease-themed. It's phenomenal. Grease inspired. Uh, Grease inspired. Yeah. It's, so it's not like it's 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 a tough one. We we've always this is the third year we've done a panto in, in commas. Like it's not it's not a pantomime. It's just a, like a theme, one of our theme nights. We put like musical numbers in throughout it. The first year we did Bongo and the Beanstalk, and last year we did Bongo and the Beast. Bongo and the Beast. So but it's each year we keep at each year we keep adding to it. So I think um Th- this year we're going to go went in terms of Beauty and the out. Bongo no not Beauty and the Bongo uh, <laughs> <laughs> no so it's going to be it's going to be good we, we always like hired that. well you just came to the birthday didn't you so, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. so it's a bit of a remember we did like the big opening number to that, yeah, to the yeah. greatest showman so it's just that it's just constantly trying to move the show on and just add more and more to it every year and coming up with new ideas it's, so it's Putting more of that into it. I'd like to think people say this about our live shows. I would like to think they do. I want to. The thing I would say about when we went to the to the bongo birthday party is it is far better than it needs to be, and I mean that is the greatest praise. These people are working so hard to make it absolutely tip top. When there be tons of room to be a bit complacent and just say, "Yeah, we'll do what we normally do." The fact is that you. You're looking to really enjoy it. I think is what I'm trying to say. You're looking to really like, yeah, cut definitely. loose and say, "Let's let's give people the best night we can." That's really kind words. I appreciate that. That's, that's, that's dead nice. Genuinely, but that's mental. true. I think a lot of people don't realise the amount of work that goes on behind the scenes. Like now, there's a team. I think there's about fifty-five to sixty of us full time working on this. Wow. Um, and I think you're right. One of one of the reasons why it's gone on so well and it keeps growing and growing is the fact that we we aren't getting complacent. We don't. It's never ever about. A money making scheme. It's always about let's just try and put the maddest nights on and have. Yeah, it's all about the memories, man. No, it is. It is. It's all about being able to. I could tell. I could tell that when I was watching it when when we saw the Greatest Showman intro and all that sort of stuff. I was watching it thinking, this is people. These are people who've just decided. You know what? If they're going to give us a massive room like this, let's do something absolutely brilliant. Because if we're going to get a massive room and a massive stage, we might as well enjoy ourselves so that we can remember how yeah, much we correct. enjoyed it. Because it could all be gone tomorrow. You never know what happens in life. So you just got to go for it. This is getting really deep. Yeah, it's nice. I'm into it. I'm into, I'm into it as well. It matters. So there's more music. There's more dancing. There's more prizes. Still, still the same number of cards. Um, yeah, you're not compromised think... on the cards. I hope not. I love how no. seriously you take the bingo as well. No, no, same amount. And um, we've gotten the Dean Coyle. Yeah, who loves flat flyer? That that was my first question on the Dean was going to be if you got a same flower. We're going to have to. Yeah. If you don't, do you know what that's about? No. Go on. She was on um, Sunday brunch and she's got the maddest uh, Irish accent. And she said, oh, do you, do you cook at home? She said, I love cooking, I love baking, I love using flour for flour. She's, she's put extra wise in flour. Flour. And it's caused like an internet sensation. Oh, yeah, it's a big meme. Yeah, and there's a there's someone's mixed it into like a dance track. Oh, yeah, and all the hats. 
Yeah, so you'll have to, you'll have to take as that as, out. As soon as we announced it, I'd say 85% of Facebook comments were just flyer. <laughs> Excellent stuff. Tell you what, say what you like about the internet, it's predictable. Yeah. <laughs> she's, good. she's good as well, though. We've seen her um, down at a festival in London, Mighty Hoopla. And I think, like, not slagging off girls alive, but I think she was the best singer out of them. Yeah, well, she was the lead like, singer, wasn't she? Yeah. So, and the, she's just going to do all the girls alive hits. Oh, amazing. That is astonishing. And what, yeah. more, what more can you ask for? Class. Basically, it basically should just should be everyone's Christmas party, shouldn't it? Like, why would you just go out for tea or something when you can User coming, I've heard. Are we? Have we seen yeah. this sorted or? I don't know yet. Well, we'll, Man outside said. Oh, yeah, well, there you go. There you go. I, I like it when other people plan my life and die. <laughs> exactly. and We're really looking forward you. to the Christmas party. Excellent. Sound. And then tried to give Slutty, Slutty Susie a, a drink of water out of a Liverpool glass. Absolutely no chance. Didn't go down well, that did it. <laughs> Slutty Susie, you're better than that. Yeah. Um, what else have we got? So I'm going to run through the dates, listeners, uh, but we'll also find other ways to disseminate these. Um, November the 27th, November the 28th, November the 29th. Then three days just to reassess, see how we've gone. Uh, maybe maybe rework a couple of numbers. December the 2nd, December the 4th, <laughs> December the 6th, December the 7th, December the 8th, December the 11th, 13th, 14th, 15th. Huge, hot and up. Now it's intense. 18th. <laughs> for another, another couple of days off there. That's more of a break. That's more of a putting our feet up and recovering from the hangovers. 18th, 20th, 21st, 22nd, and then the other side, 28th, 29th, and 31st. And £1 from every ticket is going to Cash for Kids, which will raise over £15,000 in Liverpool for the charity Cash for Kids, which I know you've done some work with as well, John, in the past. Yeah. Uh, that's great for everyone to see. Uh, I, know you put a lot, I know you put a lot of work in the saying all those dates, but I think there's probably only four that aren't sold out. <laughs> only, that's fine, that's fine. So what, do you know what the four are that aren't sold out? No. By chance? Okay, so if you go to bongosbingo.com, it's your, it's your UK. it's your first you just look on the, You look on the website, there's and, a calendar, and then oh. it, it'll say sold out. So, so we need to get sorted, basically, because no one will... Yeah, you are coming on like a Tuesday or something. Uh, that, that's <laughs> Weekends are gone. Weekends are gone, that's absolutely fine. It's all right, we can, uh, we'll pick our own hours. Chris, uh, do you want to come on our Christmas night? Absolutely, do now, yeah, sounds great. <laughs> He's got kids, he can't come. Uh, <laughs> go on December, I'm allowed out in December. <laughs> twice, 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 twice. Got to throw one of them away. Uh, so there's only six nights left, so it is rattling along. It is a camp and furnace, uh, which is very, very good to see. Uh, so you've got the full list there going right the way through, uh, and it's got Nadine Coyle. It's got Slutty Susie. It's got hey, Johnny what Bongo. about Slutty Susie and made, uh, made Jamie it. Carragher? You see that video? Uh, <laughs> too right, I did. The thing that struck me about it, and I don't know if this is radio appropriate, but let's just see how we end up, is the thing that hit me was that, you know, his face. It's not like Jamie's not seen a lot of lads. In his <laughs> <time>. <laughs> He's been in a lot of dressing rooms, so I don't know what you've got going on there. Wanna, you've certainly got Jay's attention because I tell you he what, he wasn't expecting it. I mean, no, I buy high stock. I wasn't covering it. I like that's all I'm saying. Honestly, honestly, very much. I was looking at it, thinking, "Come on, Jay, you've been around the block." <laughs> uh, we'll find out if that's radio appropriate or not. Johnny Bongo's come in. Uh, it's been fabulous. Uh, it's a pleasure, pleasure, what as ever uh, to see him. Do go to the shows if you're around. You can see when the dates are. The money is going for charity but it's also a fantastic night out the charity things and as a bonus to what will be a fantastic experience thanks to Johnny thanks to Susie we'll get back thanks on thanks for having that us back do. in love Thank it you. Neil Atkinson and John Gibbons talking to you about Harry's and John I've run out of the gel <laughs> oh disaster I've run out of the Harry's gel although it does feel like your fault this because they, they, they do a questionnaire they ask you how often they shave they're able to send you the stuff depending on your answers to the question. So it feels like something's broken down. So is it Harry's fault? No, it's Jeff mine. Jeff and Andy. John, it's mine. I mean, I don't know people, <laughs> we do more video stuff on the Anfield rap. And so what I've been doing is like almost every day, I've been making sure like I'm, I'm as clean shaven as I want to be yeah. because my, my facial hair is remarkably patchy, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I mean, trying to Former Lord of the Q. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Former Lord, <laughs> former Lord of the Q. So it grows in a really quite patchy way, but it does, bits of it do grow properly, if you know what I mean. Right. And some other bits just don't I don't know if there's some sort of complex blockage so yeah but because we're doing video what I'm doing is I'm sort of like most days I'm just making sure I'm on top of the situation and that's a bit of a shift from when I come to work and sort of accept that I'm looking a bit scrappy occasionally (laughs) and and just sort of manage on a case by case so yeah I've got I'm probably going to go back in so I've still got me me Harry's razor Uh, by the way it's harrys.com forward slash Anfield uh, to claim your trial set but yeah I've still got me Harry's razor but I'm now waiting for my next load of aloe vera and I'm using soap and everything like a savage A little, little pot of shower gel you nick from a uh, hotel. Anything I can get my hand on, it's one of them really. Where Brockle's going to start saying, what's happening with my soap here? And I'm going to do the... <laughs> yeah. 
you know, so naturally disintegrated. Yeah, the, sort of yeah, the soap, the soap must have come in contact with the water. The water then had its own knock on. Listen, don't ask me. I was it's dead. Erosion. At, yeah, I was. Uh, I was dead at the time. Um, <laughs> all the all the all obvious stuff. So yeah, yeah. So yeah. Anyway, we're, we're, uh, other than me having answered the questionnaire poorly, <laughs> you can get your own trial set of Harry's Harry's.com forward slash Anfield. And if you've got quite consistent facial hair growth, then it might be a little bit easier for you. So they've got a special offer for our listeners of three ninety five for all of that. I've still got the razor. I'm going to go through all the stuff that we say every single time because it always entertains me. So there's the non-slip razor handle with a textured grip. This is true. You can choose from three different colours, uh, all the best. Uh, you get a high-performance <laughs> razor head made of five German engineered steel blades. This is also true. It's a very, very good razor. You get the rich lathering foam shave gel uh, with, its, with its natural ingredients. I'm crying out for some aloe vera and cucumber. Um, <laughs> you get the travel blade cover, which I've still not used. I'm just, I'm, I, I don't I, even know where mine is. Anyway, no, I'm just, I just, I'm just devil may care on the issue. <laughs> <laughs> as you can tell shoving in a shoe yeah yeah oh, that's the amount of stuff I put in my shoes when I pack when we oh, went to yeah. America you've just got everything in your shoes by yeah. the end of it because then you can go I know where it is yeah yeah that's it deodorant in one shaving paraphernalia in the other exactly and on then, top uh, of it all held together with socks yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> push strings in there uh, they don't provide shoes or socks Harry's they very much focus on the razors and the quality thereof <laughs> and it gets delivered to your door uh, on a regular basis maybe maybe now become more regular for me uh, but yeah so it's harrys.com forward slash Anfield that's harrys.com forward slash Anfield and you can support us through that and the people who help us put these podcasts up and all that sort of stuff because trust me we do not have that technical ability in house uh, you can get your trial set delivered to you and all of that sort of stuff including the travel blade cover that you may never use uh, but we're still we're glad Harry's are back they've remembered us now the season's come back John I was getting worried <laughs> yeah well they, just, they took a summer off you know they, they don't realise I don't think they thought oh summer they'll be quiet they don't realise how much you listening about bang into the transfers I don't think yeah you love would have tra- told them about the gutter oh if, yeah they'd have been absolutely all over it uh, <laughs> would have been more Harry's than you know what to do with them maybe just maybe I wouldn't be in this bind I find myself in now <laughs> it's harrys.com forward slash Anfield yeah, get yourself involved made up Chris has come in because uh, we'd have a chat about Redmen uh, how's it all going seems good it's going very well mate yeah it's um, yeah it's been brilliant I mean sometimes exactly the same as you you sort of pinch yourself and wonder what am I doing here how am I doing this I used to run a restaurant type of thing and I was like, now I'm chatting to insert player or I'm doing this in a foreign country and stuff. It's just mental. And listen, the thing is that the difficult thing and what people might not remember is that it's really bad when Liverpool are crap. And I think, you know, we lived through the Hodgson years and I think you lived through the Hodgson years as well. So it's not all plain sailing all of the time. It's just when your life and your love yeah. are all affected by 11 lads kicking a ball around on a piece of grass, it's pretty difficult to deal with sometimes. I, I remember genuinely, and I think you can now sort of joke about it, but I remember, and John will tell you, we'd launched the player and we would, so we were doing all the shows. I was writing about the game and we have that that defeat under Rogers at West Ham, uh, at home to West Ham at the start of the 15-16 season. And... I remember sort of like at half time and we were, I think we were two nil down and I honestly thought I was going to pass out. I was like having an anxiety attack because all I was thinking was I've got to go through all this again. It's the same as last season. We're getting beat. I'm going to have to write about this, talk about it three times. And I just remember genuinely just thinking this is, you know, without I don't know, I'm not asking for sympathy from anyone, but just thinking this is just going to be horrendous to have to go through all this again. And then what was dead funny was I was then getting grief on, on Twitter for being uh, ridiculously committed to Brendan Rodgers. Whereas like I was sort of like crying out for something to change uh, and I just remember sort of oh god this is this has got to stop so you're right to say you know when it's when the football's good it's you couldn't imagine doing anything better yeah that's it like and you know you're so thankful that people like you and want to watch your stuff and listen to you and stuff like that and it's mad just how much it's kind of grown in the last year to be honest Redman it's like it's absolutely mental there's just so many people like stopping you in the streets and like I watch it all the time and you're like oh my god thank you for saying like hello to me because what we do is probably quite similar to yourselves. I talk to a camera in a room on my own. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I have no perception of how many people watch these things on an individual basis. I see numbers. 50,000 sound, it's a big number, but I don't know what that is until I walk into Anfield and look around and go, wow, there's a lot of people here. Oh, that's about the same people that watch a normal show for us. And it's mind-boggling sometimes. Um, really nice summer for you as well. Obviously, uh, Paul interviewing Jürgen and I think it would be interesting for people to hear about For I think for both of us like Anfield Rap and Redman that things have got I'd say easier with the club I'd say it's we're getting a little bit more in terms of access and things like that and there seems to be 
I would say uh, greater respect maybe, maybe sounds wrong because I wouldn't say they didn't respect what we did before, but greater kind of acknowledgement that the fan media, you know, you can't put them with a footballer and they're not going to do anything mad no. and things like that. And and also that the they're maybe seeing the, 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 the kind of value of what we do a little bit yeah, more. Yeah, I think, I think so. I think, you know, we are representatives of parts of the fan base. I wouldn't say we're representatives of all the fan base, but there is certainly a percentage of the fan base that we we can represent. Um, one of the things for me is, you know, a few years ago, I, I, I made a mistake on a video outside Chelsea and everybody will know exactly what it is, right? But there was probably a trust element there with the club where they saw that video and were like, we're not letting these anywhere near our footballers because look at that. And then you see the rise of Arsenal Fan TV and what that fan channel has done for its fan base. And you're looking at it and you're thinking, Liverpool might have been looking at that going, whoa, you know, are they them? Yeah. And I think we've proved over the last few years that we're not them. We're here, we, we always give our honest opinion. We're not going to sugarcoat anything. But equally, I'm not about bad than the city, the club or anything like that. And ultimately, I think we're kind of just big marketing tools for the club. <laughs> I think that once they realise that, they can put their arms around and go, well, let's embrace this free marketing of our club. Yeah, it's funny you say that, Chris, because one of the nicest things that people say to me and one of the things I like most is when people say, oh, you've made me love the football club so much more. And you get a, a more abroad, obviously, than, than people in Liverpool. But, you know, when people say, you know, you make an American who says, you know, a Support the club, blah, 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 but but I understand the city and the club much more. And like I feel like a much bigger Liverpool fan because of you guys. And and that's nice when you hear that. It's absolutely it's it's fun. It's like that type of stuff's fantastic. And we get emails and people stop here and they say, I, I just feel closer to you. And I couldn't imagine supporting another team because I get you as people. And I think that's something that with Liverpool Football Club that I don't know whether other clubs have it because I, I live in a in a in a tunnel. <laughs> But they they fall in love with the people of Liverpool as well, and and you know the sense of humour and all that type of stuff, and and it's just boss, and it's I just that, quality, isn't it? I think it's something something that we, we that that's underrated, to be honest with you, is that you know if you if there's often that sort of thing that's that's cast at at supporters from overseas or from not in the city is that the glory hunters, well, we've won one cup this decade, <laughs> so if the glory hunters, the very bad ones. There's, there's more, there's <laughs> terrible, more, the worst. There's more glory to be had elsewhere, and I think it is a, a massive part of it is is the idea of the the cultural sort of aspects that the people you know people fall for the city and I think it's you know to, to say this both on our podcast and on the radio I think it's something that the people of Liverpool should be proud of that genuinely the the the, the overseas support of the support that's not in Liverpool has actually fallen in love with the city and the idea of this football club because because of the people who attend the matches because of the everything that goes on around it as much as they've fallen in love because Fernando Torres played for us or because you know in the case of now this thing where people follow Ronaldo well that's I think there's a lot of people who take an interest in Liverpool because of Mo Salah they might come for Mo Salah but they'll stay for the city. And that's exactly what you want, isn't it? As a person from this city, that's exactly what you want. And listen, we're an outward-facing city. We're a poor city. We've always been very welcoming of others. In fact, we've been more welcome of people from outside the, the country than who were over our shoulders just down the M62. Yeah, that's, that's been the case, yeah. yeah and yeah. and that, that is the way that we are. And culturally, because of that port history, we're welcoming to everybody from any different background. So, what else are you? What have you got? New stuff in the pipeline this year? Anything lined up? Anything that you're looking to looking to get boxed? Loads. We're trying to get some new thumbnails done. <laughs> <laughs> it's, been, it's been like six months. It's, it's not all glamorous, <laughs> is it? <laughs> we had so many grand plans. We've just we've just done up the studio and stuff, and we're looking to get some uh, some new equipment through the door. And obviously, you're thinking to yourself, "I'll do. I'll just we'll just do all this in the summer, and then Liverpool are off for like two weeks." And yeah. then you don't get anything done, and then all of a sudden it's six weeks into the season, you've still not got anything done. So all of our stuff is going to just be cranking out over the next couple of months. Uh, getting yeah, the use of international breaks is uh, is massive. Uh, every other Liverpool supporter at times curses them, and I've been there, and I know that boat. But there is something in the back of my mind which is, oh, I tell you what, that looks like that looks like a Thursday where I can come in late. Yeah, it's <laughs> uh, happened today. Uh, I've got my eye on that one. That one will sit quite nicely. Uh, the other thing is the other stuff that you're doing around the games, and it's important to put that over to people. You know, if they do want to listen, do want to catch up, do want to find you. That you know, every match you've you've got topped and tailed. Yeah, absolutely. You know, preview shows on YouTube, on 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 a podcast player now as well. We, we we're hosted on. You can get it on any podcast player. It's not as good as yours, but we're we're trying to get there. You know what I mean? And um, obviously, after the game, there's free stuff on YouTube. You have got the website where you can subscribe and listen to us talk even more about Liverpool if you want that more in depth look at Liverpool. Excellent stuff. What I will always say uh, about quality fan media, hopefully like ours, definitely like Redmen, is it's not DIY, it's bespoke, and that's two very very different things. It's made with care and with love uh, for the people who want to listen to it and want to get involved with it so if that's you uh, just look the red men up and go from there you'll find the youtube channel and you'll progress right the way along uh, this is the anfield rap
the international break then Liverpool players off playing for England I still don't entirely understand what this Nations League is and it is sort of my job uh, But so therefore if you don't don't feel bad about it if you do please do tell me uh, Chris I've got just this fear Joe Gomez is getting injured and it's irrational but he's been well it isn't it isn't irrational he's been injured on international duty twice before and you know I remember the storage thing and it was around this window just as he was trying to be the main man at Liverpool after Suarez had gone and Genuinely like that. Obviously, I'd be I'd be absolutely distraught if Salah got injured or something like that. But I've just got this Joe Gomez thing in my head because it, it feels like just a huge moment in his career. It, I just want him to get back, get back on skates, play against Tottenham, play against Paris Saint-Germain and go from there. Yeah, and I think it feels like a sliding doors moment almost, doesn't it? And we've seen these down the years with Liverpool players where, you know, there's an injury at the wrong time and they never quite get back into that side. But Joe Gomez has been in unbelievable form. It's... For me, it's like, you know, you can see the, the block tackles and the, the the interceptions and the headers and everything else that he's done. It's his recognition of danger. Yeah. You know, it's so fast. I was I was doing a show the other day and we look, I look at, like, you know, an in-depth look at the game and there's a ball that's floated over from Morgan against Leicester. And Joe Gomez runs and he clears it out on the sideline for a throw. And do you remember this one? And he's 40 metres away and the ball goes over his head. And as he looks down... Oh, yeah. As he looks across, he realises, I've got to be there. And he breaks into a sprint half a second mm. later. And you're thinking, if he doesn't break into that sprint and sprint for 10 seconds or five seconds or whatever it was, he doesn't get there. That That is like elite level. That's recognition. You, you can teach someone to throw the body on the line, but you can't teach the positioning and, and all that. And I really hope he doesn't get injured because I think he's been fantastic for us. I mean, like what a partnership do you look as well. And, and we haven't really had... A partnership for a long time, you know, you, I don't know when you're going back to, really, you know, it's uh, when, when two lads have, have looked like a real partnership. Maybe Aga Skirtle onto Kenny. Possibly, yeah, and I think that's really nice because something I've been critical of of, of Liverpool defend, defending generally is that they never seem to bail each other out. And, and that's that annoys me because I think we focus a lot on mistakes of defenders make. And I understand why, because they, they can be so costly and, and it's an area where you don't want any, but everyone's going to make a mistake eventually. And I'd see a Chelsea defender make a mistake and then his mate bail him out. And I'd see, you know, that happen at, at you know, other clubs and think that never seems to happen with us. You make, Lovin makes a mistake, it's a goal, don't he? And everyone, mm. and everyone, and everyone kind of goes mad and the poor, poor lad. But, um, but yeah, never got away with anything in his life. But, um, but now, you know, you might see like, you know, the, the the Gomez block, Van Dijk's not great for it, is he? You know, he, he kind of sells himself a little bit, doesn't he? And and, and doesn't get there and, and but his but his mates there to, to, to bail him out. And I think that that's really positive for me that the not just how well Gomez is doing, but how well he's gelling with with Van Dijk. And, and also all the defenders really, and they're enjoying defending, they're enjoying the art of of keeping clean sheets and you know they'll they'll have been furious about that Leicester one won't they and, and oh, you know we we, we loved to have got into the international break with a big zero at that against column in, in the table and and the and they're just enjoying the whole process of of being a team that's hard to score against and and Gomez is a massive part of that. Uh, other one who's gone away with England duty as well, Henderson. Chris got the new contract this week. Uh, made a ton of noises. The main thing you can take from, I think, everything he said. The firstly, there's the way Klopp talks about him in terms of the the leadership on and off the pitch. What I got from it, though, everything he was he was at pains to say, at absolute pains to say silverware. Mm. But and I think if you are Henderson now, I think it is it is worth sort of pointing out to people he wins a he, he's part of the the squad that wins that league cup in his first season. But he never really properly felt a Liverpool player. Then I think it's fair to say, you know, he's he's twenty eight. He knows he's a very very good player. Um, he's in a position really where he, he he must himself be craving the medals that he gets to he gets to put on the table at the end of this contract when he is thirty three, thirty four, thirty five, and be able to say, you know what, missed a few few runners up medals in there, but I won four or five things. Yeah, and he's got to at this stage of his career, hasn't he? I think he wants to be the captain that you know starts winning trophies for Liverpool again. It's been far too long since we've had someone consistently do that. I, I believe he can be. I couldn't believe the noise on social media around it. I mean, regardless of anything else, I was talking to Dave Ma- David Maddock from the Mirror the other day, and he was saying, "Take his ability away." Liverpool are acting like a big club here. They're protecting his value. Yeah. Five years, he's only got at the end of this season. He's got one left. You know how much is he worth then? You know, his semi-finals of the World Cup as a you know as an England player gets a team to the Champions There's League no final. Negatives. There's no negatives whatsoever around this, and I like him as a player anyway. I can see what he brings, but it's that leadership thing. I spoke to Jordan himself a few years ago when he was just given the captaincy, and you could see, and he was talking about Stephen Gerrard and how he wanted to emulate sort of some of his feats, but he knew, and he was at pains to say to me, 
I have got to do this my own way. And and that's what Jordan Henderson's doing at the moment. And listen, you know, fantastic football. I'm made up that he's back in, you know, that he's going to be signed up for five years. I'm just made up that Liverpool are acting like a big club and they're serious and they mean business. It tells you the story, I think, John, that across the board, really, that they're serious, they mean business, but also, again, this idea that the group's staying together. That the one thing that it looks like Klopp just doesn't want is 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 any degree of instability. There's been a lot of talk about I'll give the captaincy to Van Dijk. It was happening all the way through the back end of last season. And when we were in America, there was a lot of people talking about it. And for a variety of reasons, I was just I was saying to people, then there's no way that's going to happen. And yeah. one of the reasons why is is that Klopp's very into what he's looking at on a day-to-day basis. He wants it to improve. He wants Liverpool to be able to push for the title this season. But he's very into what he's looking at as it moves forward. And I don't think Van Dijk's bothered either, by the way. I no, he's not up going, I can't believe I haven't got that captaincy yeah, he's, yet. He's, he's enjoying it. And I think, look, yeah, stability is right and keeping people together and not just chopping and changing for the sake of it. Look, you always want to improve the squad. And, and ever since Jürgen's come in, he's he, he's done that. You know, you look at the, the team when he, when he took over and now, and it's and it's, and it's light and day, really. Um, I'm mixing my metaphors there, but anyway, we'll go on. Um, but it's, you know, it's, it's, it's knowing that... Believing in what you've got, and he's done that since day one, as and he's given people a chance, but also said, "Use all things. There's loads of these players who are better, and I promise you that they're not. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? There might be three or four. Yeah, we did that with Lovren, didn't yeah. he? You're, you're all, you all think that there's that there's ten, fifteen defenders better than him in that world I can football. Get. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, and, and I'm telling you that that, that, that that there isn't. You know, and I think in the past, uh, you know, we both overrate and underrate our players sometimes, don't we? You know, we've gone overboard on maybe one or two too early, but also, you know, he's, oh, he's rubbish. And you've heard it with Henderson this week, you know what I mean? People say, oh, he's, he's, t- he's, not, he's not terrible. He's one of the best midfielders in the country when he's when he's on form. And why is it always so cut and dry? Yeah, yeah. It's why, why does it have to be like that? Yeah. I mean, you know, we, we are football fans and we exist in a complete grey area. You know, we never know the true ins and outs of a situation, mm. yet we make hard, fast decisions on this, on that. And sometimes I think, you know, as, as I've grown up, I used to have like really strong views on things and I've just kind of middled out over the years and you sort of see both sides of an argument and I find it difficult to make a decision because I've been proved wrong so many times. <laughs> sometimes that you're like, well, I'm not going to say that because it's probably not true anyway. It just it baffles me sometimes. I can't believe Chris is a centrist dad. Confirmed his dad status talking to Bongo. Confirmed to talking to Bongo. It's been a pleasure. Listen, thank you very much to Johnny. Thank you very much to David Mooney. Uh, thanks to Chris for taking the time and coming in, having a general chat with us and letting us know about Red Men and to John as well. It's been your weekend. Uh, yeah, there's no actual proper football happening, but you can still have a lovely time. Sports Social Podcast Network.